Welcome friends to the Someone Gets Me podcast. I am your host, Diane Allen, and I am so delighted that you're here. This podcast was created because I believe there is a visionary leader inside each one of us who is waiting to be seen. In each episode of Someone Gets Me, you will hear useful tips from successful visionaries who will share their stories about how being seen has allowed them to take their vision out into the world with action. Service leadership with Shireen Jonti. Hi, everybody. It's Diane, and I have Shireen with me today, and you are going to love her. I met her some time ago in an online group, I guess you could say. And the minute when I saw her face, I'm like, I have to know her because of her smile and her presence. So after getting to know her over a few months, I asked her to be on the show. Shireen is an amazing service leader in a lot of parts of her life. She believes in serving people and she stands up for those people who maybe don't have a strong enough voice to stand up for themselves. So we're going to talk to Shireen today about how she got in this position, what drives her to be a person of service and where she sees the world going and whatever else we come up with. So Shireen, thank you for taking time out of your day to hang out with us here at Someone Gets Me. Good morning and hello everyone. And Diane, thanks for having me here. How fun. How great to be here and start the morning off this way. It's going to be so fun. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you because what I've learned about you already is that you have the heart of a service person. You know, some people call it the servant heart and that gets misunderstood. So I use the word service, but it's the same kind of idea. And so I'd like you to share with everybody a little bit of your backstory. Like, how did you come to the the consciousness and the understanding of serving other people, which you've been doing for decades? This is not new for you. Okay, well, yeah, gosh, and that is that is a, a loaded question. So I'll try to condense it um, as, as much as I can. You know, I came from not a family, I wouldn't say, because my father wasn't like that at all. But my mother is very much a service oriented person. And I was born into um, her being of service with civil rights movements. And, you know, she, she was an actress, um, but also a public speaker. And so I grew up around that um, to begin with. And and also a lot of what we believed in before it was popular um, is, you know, just kind of like the oneness of mankind, the oneness of all people. Um, And so I was was brought up to just love, (laughs) which has been positive for me and also a hindrance because I was just brought up to love everybody that were all amazing. And it was kind of a culture shock for me when I realized, no, we don't all feel, not everybody feels that way. And and the world isn't like Mm -hmm. that. So being very challenged with things that I've been brought up um, to believe how I got to where I'm at now is God, again, just such a story, but in a nutshell, I came from a broken family. Um, My parents divorced when I was five and uh, I don't have siblings. And my father uh, is Iranian and Russian. Just to give some background to my, my culture and my heritage, um, I'm first generation born here in the United States, but my mother was born in Poland. My father was born in Iran. Um, so I am definitely a mixed bag myself. Um, and, uh, and just remember being, um, I, my father took me to Iran when I was five years old to live there when my parents divorced. And so I've been to Iran seven times right before the revolution and lived there twice. So I bring that up to say, being raised in the United States and being an American and then going to a a different country, especially like Iran was such an emotional shock for me as a child, not being able to do what such freedom that we have here. And um, that kind of, I I remember just going back, started the, the, the feelings of where do I fit in? You know, Mm -hmm. um, who am I Um, living in my my father's light, which was very different than who my mom was. And so um, just those feelings of a child all the way up to adulthood and my stories and journeys in between, which you'll probably ask me some of that stuff, but just really in a nutshell, getting to where I am today and what I've been doing for a few years, long time, is just just, you know, finding my voice within myself and figuring out who I am. 
And in that road, I made a lot of uh, decisions and choices that weren't in my best interest. But now I get to help other people do that as well and find their truth and find their voice. And, you know, as you said, to help, the, you know, I help a lot of people who have a voice, um, but need to have a different voice, maybe. And I have a lot of people who are very scared to have a voice, you know, um, and they don't even know what voice that is. So. Oh, that's so beautiful. I can only imagine being very small and be, being American and going to Iran and what different cultures and the messages that you must have like integrated knowingly and unknowingly from such freedom to not a lot of freedom. How did you handle that conflict, that inner conflict? I'm, I'm sure that it created conflict for you, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, it was very difficult. Again, like as a child, now when I look back, you know, you can ride your tricycle or your bike on the sidewalk or down the street, you know, um, go visit your friend next door. Not that children that lived in Iran didn't do that, but because I was American, I was very, um, you know, protected and they didn't let me just go out. So I, I was like pretty much um, asked to stay in the backyard and play there. Or if we went to the store, went somewhere, um, they call them chadors, but it's like a cape, you know, that women wear. And so they would cover me, they cover you all up and cover your face and you would walk down the streets to the store, you know, all wrapped up in this cape. Um, and so I remember like, you know, it's interesting, this is just coming to me now and I never really put it together, but just creating fantasy, you know, and you hear that a lot with a lot of creative people or just people in general, but as, as a creative person and who has come from a creative family, I remember just because I was so sheltered um, much of my time in, in the house that we lived in there, um, just creating this whole fantasy world, you know, um, and whatever that was and whatever that meant. Right. And the fantasy was that not only the coping strategy, but it gave you a way to be able to like live there. Like really, you know, you had to be someplace else in order to be there. And that, and that yeah. thank God you had, thank God you had that creativity in your genes and that you were able to do that, you know? Yeah. And so how do you use your creative spirit today? How has it evolved? What, what do you, how do you use it today? I know you have a lot of creativity, but I think a lot of times, and the reason why I'm asking this question, I'll give you a little bit of reasoning here is because a lot of people when they're younger have the creativity and the imagination. And I work with gifted people with overexcitabilities and sometimes it gets squashed. You know, like you're not creative. My third grade teacher told me I wasn't creative and I believed her because she was a big person and it took a while for me to realize it wasn't true. And then there's like a reemergence in adulthood of hold on a second, this is who I am, which it comes out in our voice and in our creativity. So how do you use your creative self today in the world not just to work, but like in your life, how does it show up now? Well, that's a great question. And I'll tell you, uh, <laughs> I, I surprise myself <laughs> over and over <laughs> again every day with what that means. And it's interesting um, when you said, it's like, you know, your teacher said you're not creative because maybe in her vision, she thought creativity was, and I'm just throwing this out there, being a musician or having a voice to sing or, you know, whatever that is and not looking at all the other gifts that one may have that are also so creative. So I remember when I was really young and I'm just kind of tying this into your question right now, mm -hmm. back to like the fantasy kind of, is right. that my father was like an aspiring actor. My mom was a successful actress. Um, I used to want to sing and would sing to myself, you know, when I was young, but that, that never really quite happened, but always around art. So I always felt though, that I wasn't creative because I didn't end up being an actress or, you know, um, mm -hmm. or, or whatever, even though my family was in that, but back to the fantasy, I loved, <laughs> and I'm just using this as, as an example, because it's actually tying into, to what I do today. And I had no idea, but I loved Barbies because at, at that age it was about Barbies and Ken's but I used to build these enormous and I mean enormous houses for my Barbies and they were like a whole bedroom the whole room was a, a mansion and I would create the furniture and create all the stuff with just things and stuff and paint and I remember um just that being so fun and then and then it just kind of like that's what it was 
fast forward to today, even though I've worked in entertainment, and I'm sure we'll talk about that, you know, about 10 years ago, nine years ago, I moved into the house that I'm in now, and it's my first house, so it's never too late to get a house or to do whatever it is that you want to do. Um, but I remember when I was younger, I used to see people, you know, they would talk about gardening. And um, I thought, oh, how boring is that being a gardener? You know, like you must be really like boring and funky and old. Um, of course, I was young and that's that's what my perception was of gardening <laughs> at, when I was younger. Well, lo and behold, guess who's become like a gardener? <laughs> I moved into this house and there's a lot of land here. And I had no idea what I was getting into. And I just remember starting in one corner and I am a decorator and I've always been a decorator, which I guess ties into why I just decorated this whole Barbie thing. Right. Um, but I always knew I had a knack for decorating um, houses or, you know, interior design, but never really had an opportunity to do exterior. Well, those that know me and one day, if you're here in LA, you're going to have to come over and I will cook for you and um we will have just a lovely time out in my backyard but i have created this literally if i dare say so myself a paradise really like just a magical paradise which i had no idea that i had that in me i just remember like starting in one corner and then just the the creativity came and just and and what i love the most is not buying something that somebody else has made but like seeing something and then you create it yourself, you know, out of mm. your own psyche. And then you're like, Oh my God, did I do that? So I don't know if that's making sense, but so when you say, how do I use my creativity today and how, you know, it's my therapy. So when I say that, <laughs> so excited to have my hands, I mean, like I am definitely a woman's woman, a girly girl, whatever you want to call it. I, I can put on the nail polish and the makeup and, and the shoes, but I have no problem getting in the dirt, down and dirty, you know, and to be in the dirt and digging holes. I mean, I have cactuses eight feet tall, 10 feet tall out in my yard now, but at the time they were still big. And I mean, me and one friend for three years, and it's, and it's ever ongoing, by the way, but it was three solid years of digging and, and cutting and literally the both of us dug the holes, put the plants in the ground, you know, everything. And I had no idea that it saved me through some very difficult, dark times in my life, you know, and I was just mm -hmm. out there uh, being able to be in nature and, um, and just create. And so anyway, I, I hope that kind of answers your question a little, but I go out there and every morning now, if I have time, and if I don't have, you know, a meeting to start, I'll go out with my coffee and I just sit and I say my meditation and I look at the creation um, and it fills my soul, you know, and it fills my spirit and I get to share it, you know, um, with people, but, but more importantly, myself, you know, and so that, that's just one way of so many people sometimes go to classes or they do this and I've done all that too, but I've also learned that I can create all my own space that can help mm -hmm. heal whatever I'm going through if I, if I tap into it and it's knowing how yeah. to tap in and be still enough to bring it all in. That is so beautiful. Cause I mean, I have goosebumps actually listening to, and I always teach all my people to go dig in mother earth because that's the great healer. And she absorbs the negative and it feeds us and, and just grounds us in ways that not digging in mother earth can't do. And so I'm listening to you and digging the holes and putting the plants in. And that's one of the things I love to do. Oh I God, love, I love, I love that. And the other thing that came to my mind about what you were sharing was creating your own paradise, you know, and once you said yes to the beginning little spot where it started, you didn't know where it was going, but you allowed the rhythm of your own creativity and life and everything to just keep bringing the next iteration, the next piece, the next inspiration and letting it happen. And then when you sit back today, you can say, wow, this is an ongoing kind of moving landscape of happiness and joy that fill your soul, both in the creation of it and in the appreciation of it. Yes. You know, that's so beautiful. So how did your intuition play any role in any of that creation? Well, I, I have got to believe that it did, but let me say not knowingly, 
sometimes we have intuition without even knowing it. And I think it's also like learning how to navigate and trust, right? And mm -hmm. like when we talk about intuition, um, which is now not even tying necessarily into like the creative um, aspect that we're talking about right now, but, you know, just trusting that intuitively we all have certain things within us that we're not aware of how powerful it is, you know, or just listening right. to voices within us, you know, and, and we either hush them or we just don't pay attention to them or we start learning how to pay attention to that. Mm -hmm. um, so that's more on a personal emotional level, but as far as just the intuition of, you know, the plants and it just being out there for me and even in, in, in my um, house, um, you know, my intuition is like for some people, like, <laughs> like, let me tell you my living room, I had to paint three times three times and the color was ever so close and uh, let me just say that the person at the time that was painting for me did not get even frustrated like why are you changing this like there's no difference he could not see what I could see but in my psyche and in my intuition I knew the color was different and it was enough and I think that's when you are an intuitive or you are creative you know, um, that that's where some of us have that gift that we can see beyond what others can't. Right. And then we can either help teach them. Um, and some people will get it and some people will never get it. That sometimes it's just the slightest difference of its sound, a tune, a note, a color, you know, uh, a visual um, aspect that, that makes all the difference in how things appear. Totally different. Yeah. Gifted, gifted people have a nuance and precision that a lot of times they don't even realize that it's a, it's a, it's being gifted, which is different than having gifts. Yes. And it's a, it's a whole nother thing. And like you work uh, in, in the entertainment industry with musicians and people in the music industry and they hear music typically much different than other people who are not in that industry and not part of it. I was working with somebody who's a, a post sound guy and he's looked at me and he goes, once you sit next to me in a movie or anything, you're it's I'm going to ruin it for you forever. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so true. <laughs> and, and I'm like, we were at some, I forget, we were at some showing, some preview showing somewhere. I don't even remember. I just remember that comment. And apparently in the comment, the Foley stage, they put these birds flying across the screen. Like they did the sound backwards from the visual. And of course he pointed it out, but I heard it. I'm like, that doesn't make sense. But then he explained why it didn't make sense to me. Like he, cause he was the technical guy. Right. And ever since then, he's right. It's like, I noticed, I noticed even more now having someone in my life who has that, that precision, which is what makes them great at what they do without that precision. It wouldn't be so amazing for the, for the audience and the people who are receiving it. Absolutely. So, it's so funny that you said that, if I may, just, I just <laughs> went to my first concert in two years, right? Because of right. COVID. And it was outside at the Greek theater here in Los Angeles. And so we were outside, but you know, I'm just listening here. I even work in music, but because my particular skill set is not a sound engineer or not this or that, I still am not, that's not my skill set. Um, mm -hmm. And so he was sitting next to me, my friend, just like you and your friend. And he was just like, oh, this, oh, that. I'm like, like why are you comp complaining at first, you know? Right. And then I realized, no, this is his gift. He knows exactly. And he brought to light, like, once he told me, like, you know, that the drums aren't coming out louder, but, you know, the drums should be this, that. I'm like, oh. So, you know, yes, a lot of times we're just, we're not aware because we're just used to seeing and living and, and navigating the way we do until if we have, if we have the opportunity to be with somebody who is gifted in whatever they're gifted in, then we get to see things differently, right? Or at least grow if we choose to and whatever that is. Right. And we, and we get to appreciate it through their experience too, you know, even if it's, Absolutely. It, it's fascinating. And, it, and I love sharing like the places I'm gifted and you're gifted in a lot of places. And I'll bet the people around us sometimes go, wow, <laughs> didn't think of it that way. Didn't see it that way. Didn't understand it that way. And, and I think that's some of the beauty of diversity in general in the whole world. Like it's so good to have different people doing all kinds of different things. And so let's talk a little bit about being of service, because one of the things that I would like you to speak to um, is boundaries. Mm -hmm. 
that I hear so many people saying, yeah, but if I, if I'm a giver and I'm serving other people, then I'm going to get lost in it. It'll burn me up and, and all of those things. And I'm like, well, yes. And you, you know, that's why we have boundaries and that's why there's, there's ways that you can serve others without getting lost yourself and your professional life and your personal life has a lot to do with service and lots of different angles. So how do you take care of your own boundaries? And maybe you can share a few tips with people who struggle with boundaries, because I think a lot of people struggle with how you set those rules up that serve you too, because, you know, we don't want, you can't get burned out and stressed out because then, then that doesn't work. Okay, Diane, that's a loaded, loaded question. Okay. Yes. And yes, I love it, it here. I'm just going to be transparent and honest, which I know no other way to be. <laughs> but um, <laughs> that is a tough one um, and easier for some than others. Do you know what I mean? Like it depends mm -hmm. just what your what your job is or what your life is. And, you know, some people are of maximum service and they 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 are retired or they 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 have the you know time or whatever their life looks like personally to, mm -hmm. to give. So, you know, again, but for me, since you're asking me directly, um, you know, personally, it's much easier for me. It took a while, but, you know, um, it's boundaries for me are, first of all, being with people who, and I love your show, you get me, right? Is it you get me or? The show is called Someone Gets Me. Someone Gets Me, right. So like, you know, to really start realizing who gets me and not that I am not available to all the world because I, I want to care for all people and be there, but not everybody gets my life because I am so busy. And because I do, I need people to understand that, not take it personally. Yeah. And I've had friends say, you don't care for me anymore. You're never available, you know, which breaks my heart because I want to be, but yes, my life is super full. And, um, so a boundary is also just looking at who are the people in my life, first of all, that, that I um, embrace mm -hmm. and that are kind of, as I call my closest circle, you know, mm -hmm. um, but also then just learning how to say that I can't be everywhere. I can't do everything. I have to intellectually, you know, work, what, what matters the most, even if things matter, like how important is it for me to be there? Sometimes I just have to say no, learning how to say no, that you can't do it all, be it all. You just can't. Um, some people can. I can't. You know, so I learned just to. So learning how to say no, learning how to be okay with that. Right. You know, learning mm -hmm. that some people will will be upset, and some people will understand. And being a leader, which is a lot of what we're going to talk about today, is learning that not everybody's going to like you. Not everybody's going to love you. Want to follow you. You're going to make either people are drawn to you or you're too much for them or they're not ready for it. So, you know, you have, you have to, having a boundary means how am I taking care of myself? What do I need right now to be healthy? So that's personally, professionally, that's a little harder, right? Because unless you're self-employed and even there, unless you're just, um, and I say this because so many of us are living paycheck to paycheck or we're not just um, abundantly rich or have financial. So if you're dependent, on someone right or an organization or people mm -hmm. to to fulfill your financial needs so you can live then you can want to have boundaries but sometimes we have to within those boundaries still choose our battles and where do i where do i give where can i have my voice and use it where do i need to quiet my voice and sit still you know it's, it's looking at a bigger picture of if this is making sense um because of course professionally even like again i do work in music so for me it's easy to talk about that, but people who are band members, you know, um, and they're working with management and there's contracts and there's tours and they've already paid up front and the tickets have been sold. But, you know, so it's not that easy if they're exhausted to say, you know what, I'm not going to show up tonight. I need to rest tonight. Um, now that's happened sometimes, but that's not real easy, you know, for, for somebody like that. So, so boundaries can look very different, you know, how do I, but like, if you know that your life is so big in that way, then when you do have control, it's learning how to say no, you know, even professionally. And so for me, also boundaries are uh, at this point, especially with COVID, during COVID, a lot of people got my cell phone number. 
So not my, <laughs> not my business phone. We're all working from home right now, which I feel blessed that our company can support that and, and, and value safety and value what is needed to protect us and just be cognizant of what's going on. But because so many people have gotten my cell phone, you know, they call me and text at 10 o'clock at night, at midnight, on a Sunday, on a Friday night, on a Saturday, you know, which typically would not, you know, mm -hmm. like, so um, what I've learned to do and you have to do, because believe me, I have been on the verge of burnout many times, many times, all the time. And it's, it's a constant balance and it's a constant navigation. But when somebody first calls me, especially if it's like a crisis situation, I will always ask, is this person ready right now today to go into treatment if I can help them? If the answer is yes, they are ready right now, then I will go ahead and do it because, of course, I would never make anybody wait who is in a crisis situation. However, a lot of times it's just management or a wife or a husband or somebody, the person, they still need to do an intervention. They're not even there. Um, and then I go, you know what? I'd really appreciate it if you could call me Monday morning so we could discuss this Monday morning, if it's a Friday or Saturday, you know, and I'll even share with them, I'm practicing self boundaries and, and taking care of myself. So if this is not an emergency right now and you're not ready this moment. So it's learning how to say that. It's learning how to do that and help people understand also, because a lot of people don't have boundaries themselves, right? So I can feed into them not having a boundary and then lose my own boundary. Right. Or I can realize what's going on and say, oh, you know what, let's pause a minute. Let me just think this through. I think that's really good. You gave lots of tons of good advice in that. And pausing and thinking things through cannot be underrated. You know, it's like, take a second, take a breath. Just because the phone's going up doesn't mean I have to jump right away. And I can ask questions about what that really means at any time. You know, like I have very clear boundaries and I'm available 24 seven. Most of my clients are musicians and they're in different time zones and in different worlds, you know, and, and they also know my rules and my boundaries and they respect them. Yes. And people who don't respect them over time usually don't work with me over time because as I set my boundaries, they, if they want to not adhere to them, they'll go somewhere else, which doesn't usually happen, but I think it's very important. You know, like Plato said, we teach people how to treat us and we get the behavior we tolerate. Yeah. And with, and with all the changes in COVID, you had to like be willing to shift up how you talk about boundaries and how you handle it. Because before it would have just gone to your work phone and you would have gotten it on Monday and it would have been just fine. But now there's a whole different way to navigate it. So I like your point about always paying attention to it, you know, because I think it's a fluid thing. I think, I think, you know, my experience is similar to what you're saying as far as that goes. So I love that. Now I want to talk a little bit about leadership. Because leadership is not position. We both, both of us have discussed this already. And, and it, it, though you are in a leadership position, that's not what makes you a leader. You're a leader because of your consciousness and how you handle yourself and take care of yourself and helping people have a voice that don't know how to use it in a way that serves them necessarily, either not at all, or they're, they're going in the other direction. So if somebody's listening to you and they're like, well, how do you do leadership as a service person? Like, how does, I thought leadership was banging people over the head and doing all that. What is she talking about? Can you give us a little flavor of Shireen's belief on being a leader? Like what, how do you operate as a leader in life? Oh boy, oh boy. Okay. You're just, you know, and it's so funny that these are such uh, sometimes common questions, but um, this is a, a time in my life where I just continue to evolve with that very question. Um, and I will say that um, it's kind of intertwined, you know, mm -hmm. because who I am personally is what I bring and can transfer over to what I do professionally. Um, and it's just been an ongoing um, story, I guess, and just chapters of my own life mm -hmm. from where I have not felt enough, had such a small voice, if any voice, you know, um, again, talking about relationships, just where I surrounded myself. I remember being very, very intimidated for years and years with anybody with authority, you know, if they were a doctor, a lawyer, you know, educated, had a degree, 
um, or, or a top executive, uh, I felt so small. Like I just never felt um, worthy, you know, or, or smart um, enough. And, and I just remember being very intimidated. Fast forward to today, because again, when you say it's not really about title, you know, I mean, of right. course, I don't want to minimize ever the hard work it takes to move up because it takes a lot of work and, and you have to learn how to have a voice. And, you, and for me, and I've had to, I, I started at Music Cares where I'm at now. I've been here 17 years. I started at the bottom as a specialist um, and now I'm a senior director. You know, I've had four, um, four promotions and they did not come easy, any of them. You know, it was through tenacity and hard work and hearing no uh, many times over and over again, but me just, again, kind of learning when do you choose your battle? When do you say what you say? When do you hold still? Um, but being a leader is learning, first of all, how to have that voice, you know, and how to go within. And sometimes the voice is just to you, yourself, and teaching yes. To someone else. Sometimes the voice is just your own voice and what you need to say to yourself and process yourself. Um, so professionally, I'll just say that being a leader has been also to take risks, to take risks, to be transparent when it feels safe or appropriate. Um, I, I have, since I've been here professionally, um, have taken risks in meetings, you know, um, that may have been unpopular, that may have been scary, but I will tell you that after I did, and I was like, oh my God, should I have said that or not or whatever? Um, right. I've had literally four or five, six people from upper executive management above me to clerks and, and coordinators below my position, either come into my office or call me and say, thank you so much. Mm. for saying what you said um you said what i wanted to say but i didn't have the courage or just thank you for having the voice for us or thank you so to me that is being a leader to help also give other people courage when they're scared or just to know that they're not alone so professionally kind of a lot of that mm -hmm. also just creating a space for people to come and feel safe with you um to me is also being a leader because you can be, you can be the receptionist. You don't have to be the vice president or the president, but you're a leader as a receptionist. If somebody feels safe enough to come because they see your smile and they see, you know, your, your beauty. And, and I say that as a woman, but a man, you know, whoever it is, just the, the beauty within a person that makes them feel safe. Believe it or not, that's being a leader because people are drawn yep. to you yep. and, and about being a leader is being drawn. So personally, just to close it out, as a woman, I've been in many types of situations, um, romantic, otherwise friends, whatever, and some of them extremely painful, you know, and for me, I, I, I think there's been no other way for me to seriously grow without pain and challenge, without, you know, without mm -hmm. challenge, why, why, without consequence, why change? You know, if there's no right. consequence, why do most people, you know, they're not going to change, right? Um, and I'll just say as a leader, I feel like I'm a leader. I'm, I'm a woman in recovery. So I am a woman in recovery from alcoholism and addiction. Um, I have 32 years sober. So let me first just put that out there and just say that with 32 years of sobriety, I, I sponsor and mentor many women, um, help them just with their life. Um, but I take that outside of even the recovery well, just as a woman in this world, you know, and when I say woman, woman, but I help men too. Men are drawn to my story. And if I can help them, because at the end of the day, we all struggle in some way internally. And so to me, being a leader is not only having the courage to share my story, regardless of what it may sound or look like, regardless of what you may think or judge me about. To me, learning how to be a leader is being secure and strong with your decisions. Um, and even if you're not sure, but it feels right, you do it anyway. And then you, there may be a lesson in that. But to have the courage, it's the courage in life to do what internally you, you spoke about earlier. Do you, do you have intuition? Do you trust that? Sometimes you just have to go with what you know inside that yes. voice is telling you, you must do this. It is imperative. You cannot keep going this way anymore. You have to do something different. And it could be a very unpopular choice for many in what you choose to do. Yes. 
So if you have goosebumps like me, all you might want to rewind this and listen to that again. That was absolutely beautiful. You're listening to Shireen Janti. Check out her bio in the show notes because uh, you're going to get some more. I'm not done asking her questions, but that was so beautiful, Shireen. I love, I love everything that you just said. I have goosebumps. I think it's, it's just resonates so deeply with, with my soul. And so you work for Music Cares, and I'd like to talk a little bit about Music Cares. Um, I've heard about Music Cares over the years from my good friend, and um, he'd always say Music Cares is Music Cares that, and I'm like, who are these Music Cares people? I mean, I love musicians, but what, you know, like I never really got it. And um, then he introduced me to more parts of it, and I still don't know every, you know, I don't know everything but I really love what I believe the mission is from the exposure I've had. And so talk a little bit about Music Cares. You've been with them a long time, right? 17 years, I think you said, and, and you're, you've moved up through it all and you're like the, the picture of it in some way, in that way, like, you know. Um, so tell everybody a little bit, share about Music Cares and I'll put the link in the show notes so people can go check out the website. But what is Music Cares? And, and just share with us what your mission is there. And, Absolutely. And thank you for asking. I mean, I'm so passionate about it and I feel so blessed and gifted to work here and to be here this long. Music cares and so many people don't know about it, even people in the music industry who are like been around and, and very successful. So it's we're definitely growing and getting out there. We purposely um, not just kind of put it out there also because then we probably just couldn't help as many people as we do. Um, we are a charity. And Music Cares is the charity of the Recording Academy. And a lot of people don't know, well, what's the Recording Academy? So the Recording Academy puts on the annual Grammy show telecast every year. So the Grammy Awards telecast show. Um, Music Cares is the charity for them. We're all in the same building. We're all under the same umbrella. And what Music Cares is, is it was created in 1989 to give back to the music community. And it's basically taking care of music people in the music industry who have fallen on hard times. It's for the music professionals who, um, you know, though they make a living at making music, they're not the ones that have an abundance of wealth to where if they come into a crisis situation, they can't help themselves because they, like many, are living their craft and enjoying what they do, but they are living basically, you know, paycheck to paycheck or, or slightly above or below that. So what Music Cares does is we're kind of, um, right now, it's like, uh, the best way to describe us is we're the Red Cross for the music community. We are short-term, mm -hmm. immediate financial assistance. We're not ongoing. It's not long-term. It's to get people out of a, of a crisis, basically. Mm -hmm. And what that can look like is we have like three tiers, for lack of a better description, three teams that handle three types of services. One of them is called health, our health services, which is medical and dental. So if you have a mental, a medical need or a dental need, you know, and you don't have insurance or insurance doesn't cover it or say you need a copay, whatever, something that, that it prevents you from getting that help, then you could call us. And um, if you qualify, which I can also break that down at the end, like what qualifies somebody for music cares, then we will come in and help. Sometimes we can pay for all of it. Sometimes we can't, but at least we can help get the ball rolling with the medical dental. Then we have our human services. They call human, which is our daily living expenses, which is rent, utilities, car note, car payment, car insurance. We don't pay your credit card bill. We don't pay your parking tickets, you know, because that's kind of your thing. Um, right. But if it's something that is necessary, you know, if, unfortunately, if there's people who have lost a loved one, you know, and they need help with burial services, things like that. So our human services are for people who may need help. They're going to get evicted or they don't, or they know that they will get evicted if they don't have next month's rent um, or, or phone bill or whatever that is. And for years, I've been doing all of it. We just now this year separated the team so we can really fine tune and, and put focus on each of those services that are offered. And so my specialty <clears throat> is addiction and mental health. And so our third tier and our third service is addiction and mental health and mental wellness. So anybody, again, who is just, you know, you don't have to be um, somebody who's addicted to alcohol or drugs. You could just be dealing with depression or anxiety, um, mm -hmm. trauma, lots of trauma, obviously that's gone on. I've never seen more trauma and more depression in all the years I've been here than, than what we've just gone through. Um, so the rate of mental health 
need, the need for mental health services and awareness and education has never been greater than it is now. Um, so if there is someone in the music industry who is, is needing either that, a lot of people aren't necessarily alcoholics or addicts either, let me just say, but they started drinking more, you know, or taking some prescription pills more. And it's not even that they have crossed that line into addiction. However, it's gotten out of control where they need help to get back on, you know, um, in, in alignment with themselves. And then some people have crossed the line or some people had are always crossed the line, you know, so like if there are people that are just addicted um, to whatever, then we are there for them. And we literally um, most, most often, most of the time pay for the full detox rehab um, sometimes can help with some sober living. It depends. So I, I'm a licensed um, counselor. I'm a licensed addictions counselor. So my job on the front line is to assess the situation as each as each um, director is in that tier, that department, you know, we, we assess the situation, we look, and then we determine what is best for the client that comes to us. Um, on top of that, how you and I met, I, I wear many, many, many hats in my position. <laughs> it's like, how many hats do I have and what do I do? But is right. providing support, you know, and so mm -hmm. not just what I just spoke about, but so we have 10 meetings right now nationwide all across the United States that are some are some are specific to just out you know drug and alcohol addiction support meetings others are emotional support meetings right. we have LGBTQ right now we have black musical collective you know community focus so we're really trying to target underserved prop populations and, and the need um but also everything's on Zoom right now, which for, for us, we see it as a total gift. I wouldn't have met you. You wouldn't have right. met me, our group. Right. Like, you know, there are people that miss the in-person. Now we've been able to cross-pollinate because of all these meetings. Um, you know, instead of only being able to go to one meeting in LA, now you can go to all 10, you know, if, 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 if that need is appropriate for you. So, um, we do that. We're out in festivals. I went to my first festival last weekend in Washington um, after two years again, but normally we're in the summer with all the festivals. We go out all the major music festivals um, or award shows. And we're, uh, because our services are for artists, we're not in the general public. We're backstage in the artist, uh, artist area. Um, and we provide uh, two things right now. One is custom earplugs to prevent and protect people's ears. So we partner with audiologists, uh, companies um, in that region, wherever we're at, they come in literally right there. You are fitted with custom mold to your ear. Um, we send it to the lab. You get it in four to six weeks and Music Cares pays for that. So that's a service that we're providing to all the um, music festival people and artists. But then also we do what's called a safe harbor room. And safe harbor room are recovery support meetings you know we, we we don't call it a 12 step meeting because it's not but it's 12 step based or recovery support meetings mm -hmm. for any staff and crew or artists who are working the show or attending the show who need support during that time you know let's face it at festivals mm -hmm. um even people with long sobriety um or recovery or people brand new there's drugs everywhere there's alcohol everywhere there's a lot of pressure a lot of the crew and and not not necessarily the band members but the backstage and all the crew that are doing these festivals are there for a week at a time every day setting up and breaking down they're exhausted so we're there um to just provide support in any way that we can oh that that is a beautiful and i'm glad i asked you that question because i only knew a little sliver <laughs> and and i knew i didn't know all of it and i think music cares is so great and and you help everybody in the music industry too. And I really love that, that it's not just the musicians, it's all the people involved in the whole industry. That if we're in that entertainment music industry, then Music Cares is there for you. And, and you get to be part of that as a leader, um, as a really powerful person that brings that service orientation to all of it, because it really is a service company in its own right and and that is that is really really beautiful and okay. so everybody check out musiccares.org and really see what they're doing because it's powerful and i don't know anybody who doesn't really appreciate music and what would happen you know these if somebody's really suffering and 
and uh, they're unable to use their their power and their talent and their voice. No, that's right, Diane. Thank you. And I just yes, and I want to just piggyback on what you said, just to be clear. I mean, yes, the tour bus drivers, the guitar technician, the roadie. The truth is, is if you're an artist and your art is on a CD cover and, um, you know, it has to be five of them or six, actually. But like, you know, so there's requirements, but like we'll help an artist if their art is on a CD. If you're a dancer and you've been in the artist music video dancing, we're going to help you because it's still music related. So we really try to stretch as much as we can to help whoever mm. we can within those, you know. Yeah. How beautiful that that the soul of that message gives me goosebumps again. I've gotten goosebumps several times during this conversation. I noticed that I just love that. I love that. So before I ask you my final two questions and we close because I'm you know very conscious of you taking so much of your time and being so generous with so much on your plate. Um, is there anything that you wanted to talk about in today's show that I didn't ask you about? I know I covered a lot of bases and you've been so gracious, but is there something that in your heart you wanted to say well i didn't have anything planned until this moment when you asked even when you said you might ask me that i wasn't sure what was going to come up for me but isn't that the beauty of of evolution and in this video yes. in this um interview you know, listening to you, listening to your spirit. I want to, first of all, thank you for caring about these most important talks and you being who you are, um, thank you. your loving soul and nature. And just what came up for me in this moment, which has just really been um, where I'm at in my life, you know, and where I feel my strength is right now in helping others is just, you know, who am I and what do I stand for? I know who am I and what do I stand for? And sometimes we don't know that question. Sometimes we need to be asked that to really think that through. And how do I find out who I am? You know, how do I find out what I stand for? How do I navigate that? Um, but most importantly, in that statement being said, is that we all are worthy and that we all matter. And no matter where we come from, what we've done, what mistakes we may have made. And when I say this, I say this on every level, whether you're a spouse, whether you're a parent. As a parent, there's so many things I wish I would have done differently with my daughter, but we're working on our relationship. You know, I take care of my mom who's 88 years old and she lives with me now. Um, and I just bring those things up because, you know, so many of us, um, can think that we're not worthy or because of choices we've made or how we've treated people at one time or another in our life, or most of all treated ourselves, you know, right. but because um, usually when my behavior is not appropriate to others, I'm not being true to myself anyway, because is that really who I want to be once mm -hmm. I've done the work? So just, you know, that, that, that's such, that's one of my favorite questions when, when you ask that it's also just so, so deep and heavy, but like my, you know, what comes to me again is just that anybody who's watching this, um, anybody who's seeking and searching, you know, like what does life mean? What's it all about? What's my purpose? Right. You know, <laughs> um, you do you do have a purpose and it's kind of finding what is your purpose, you know, where is your gift? Because we all have a gift. We all have a gift. And one of the most important things I've learned is let me not compare myself to you. Because if I compare myself right. to you, I will always fall short. Well, or I either fall short or think that I'm better than. So I can think that I'm better than or less than. But to really just look at who I am individually and quit comparing and just like, what is my gift? And start navigating that and, and honing that. And um and in that, I think you start finding joy. And in that, you can start finding that you're enough. And yes. in that, no matter what we choose to do in life, no matter how hard it is, let me just say I'm challenged every day right now with so many things that could just really, if I let it, destroy me. You know, um, so it's finding that gift within you, that power within you. So when you, you know, you can help others, but also help yourself in those times to know that that's you're not always what your head says, you know, and, yes. and the, truth, the truth isn't always what, you know, even you hear. Um, and one final like kind of thing that comes to me because it's been one of my favorite phrases and really listen to this outward appearances 
are not inward realities. Mm-hmm. Yes. Outward appearances are not. So many times we see people, you know, or something on the outside and it looks a certain way, whatever that is, that look. And then you get to like know a person, know a situation, and, and it couldn't have been more um, off than what you visualize. Right. So right. there's always a story. There's always a story. And just when we think we know something, we, we don't always. And to always just be open, open to the universe and open to stories and open to the truth and open to growing and open to just mm-hmm. you know something that um, to be teachable, teachable and open. Yes. Perfect. Beautiful. So your final question of the interview is this. If we were going to put a billboard up that the whole world would see with Shireen Janti's quote, what is that quote from you that the whole world will see on your billboard? Oh, Diane, gosh, I just need more time for that one. And since I don't have it, that's a good one. So I don't know if this would be the final one if I had more time to figure it out. But let me just let me end with this. Yes. For now, for today, that quote would be miracles happen to those that believe. Miracles happen to those who believe. Beautiful. Perfect. Perfect. Amen. Even even when you don't believe, just to believe, you don't know what you're believing, but just, you know, a miracle can happen if you're just willing. Maybe we should change that word willing to believe. Okay. Miracles happen if you're willing to believe. Yes. Willing to believe. That's beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, Shireen. What a great time. Thank Um, you. What fun. So remember, everybody, keep your face to the sun so the shadows fall behind you because you're a rock star. You're here on purpose with a purpose. So go out there and live your life and believe in miracles. And if you need to be inspired, replay any of the beauty that Shireen just shared with us. And you, too, will step more into who you are as a leader as a person, and as a divine being that you are. Until the next episode of Someone Gets Me, be well. Thank you for listening. I trust you gained some valuable inspiration and information. Please join me and other visionaries in the Someone Gets Me Facebook group. Or for more information on my services and additional episodes, visit someonegetsme.com. Again, thanks for listening.